Welcome to The Scoop. Today is the 23rd of March, 2019. We are going to talk about a day of protests as the People's Vote March moves through London, the horrible tragedy in New Zealand which happened last week, and the announcement of the Mill Report finally reaching the Attorney General. Today we are joined with Jessica Lawrence, Michael Jardine and Scott Duffield. Hello. 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 So firstly, it is a day of protests as hashtag People's Vote March moves through London with bollocks to Brexit trending on Twitter. At the moment, there are a million people plus involved in this march. Alongside this, around four and a half million signatures have agreed to the revoke Article 50 petition, which is now circulating on the internet. Is this People's Vote March giving oxygen to the second referendum? Are we on the road to having a second re- referendum? Or is this just another stage of public outrage which isn't really going to affect any change? So I personally think it's, again, just more public outcry that's not going to be solved by the MPs. Um, at the end of the day, the MPs are going to vote how they've always voted. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of seen across all of the votes that took place not last week, but the week before. I mean, that is something that we probably should talk about, is that the the series of votes that have happened last week and the votes that are coming up this week. So um, there was a vote that took place on March 12th, and that was the Prime Minister's withdrawal agreement again put forward to the Commons for a second time. It had 391 votes against and 242 for. When I was reading up on it, there were 18 MPs that had changed their minds, so the ones that had voted against it before and I voted for it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the DUP uh, voted against it again for the second time. Uh, on March 13th then, there was another vote um, on no deal. It was 321 for and 278 against. Um, again, the against means that they're set on leaving with no deal. They didn't really care. And that's how the DUP voted again. Um, and there was a Spellman amendment, um, so that was to definitively reject a no deal exit. 312 for and 308 against, and the DUP again voted against it, um, which kind of shows where their support lies. And mm. then uh, on March 14th, there was a vote uh, to extend Article 50, and this was passed by 313 to 202 against, and again, DUP voted on that. So they were all kind of indicative votes gauging the opinion of Parliament, right? Yeah. After that was the big Burko announcement, Yeah, wasn't it? The PM wanted to put forward another vote and he was basically like, oh, no, can't do that unless it's a different question or the content has significantly changed. Which then led to Theresa May on Wednesday night. She basically told the general public that she understands that we are tired of the infighting and political games. She is very much on our side it is now time for the MPs to decide on the future. It's it's just hilarious, isn't it? That like not if she's not taking the blame on, on herself for getting a really horrible deal. Mm-hmm. Yet again, not doing anything to change that. Her most recent deal lost by was it a hundred and fifty votes, and that was the second second meaningful vote on her deal, right? Yeah, and that um, again, remember that her first vote was the biggest loss by government and. Just to, like before we move away from like John Burke's decision to invoke like a ruling from like sixteen oh four, 
Um, it's just funny that like it's the one time the DEP disagreed with something from like the 15th century, and it's just like it's really it's really refreshing to actually like um, see the DEP like some things you know. are too archaic even for the DEP. You know, listen. In the coming week, then we are on track for even more indicative votes, but as of Friday night, the EU decreed that her deal, if it goes up for voting again, mm-hmm. if it's accepted then the EU will extend the Brexit deadline until May 22nd. Yes. If her deal is voted down and no viable alternative is put forth in place of it, the UK will leave the EU on April 12th. Yeah. However, there are rumours in very well-known circles and very educated circles that Parliament may try and take control this week where backbenchers might come forward, control the running order and possibly take it away from May's control. I think it's really interesting seeing what the EU have offered by going, if your next motion fails and you don't know what's happening, you're leaving on the 12th of April. I think that's them going, we're sick of this and we don't want to drag this out any longer. And it's the general consensus that I think lots of politicians as well as the general public are feeling now of, this has just been dragged on for so long. Mm -hmm. Is there any real way forward that things are going to change. Theresa May is not going to get a different deal from the EU. They're not going to step down from that um, standpoint. She's never going to pass it through her government. It's never going to go through the House. So realistically, I think the only chances of things moving forward would be either general election, a people's vote. It's a very unpopular opinion within like the current cabinet but I think that's the only way that something's going to happen but it would have to be focused general election or a very specific referendum it couldn't be asking the same question as we had three years ago. I guess that is why there's there's been the movement towards protest like we were saying there's a million people out today in London which is a million people have taken their time out of their day to strongly object to a thing it can't be ignored um, whether you agree with them or disagree with them it's still going to be in the news. The petition that's online that's been signed by 4.5 million people now. Mm-hmm. I saw one tweet and it said um, 3 million people across three days. That doesn't compare to 17 million people in one day. But that's the whole point of a referendum, to get everyone to vote on the one day. This petition has just built momentum over the week. It's the biggest petition that the uh, petition website's ever seen yeah. for the government. And I think that really shows how people are actually empowered by this and... I think it does give a voice to a second. Can that referendum happen with government as it is at the moment? Sorry, can the Tories stay in position and have a second referendum? The petition website, I think, is really good for like um, the public to get a say because, like, a lot of the time it is, um, you know, we have a vote every like four or five years, mm-hmm. and we send like representatives to Westminster to vote in our favour, and it's just one person representing like millions and millions of people. The attendance at the march and the signatures on the petition kind of show a public sway to people being sick of Brexit talk. Uh, People are scared that we're going to leave with no deal because MPs are just so thick and uh, stubborn and they are so in their place that they're not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. So um, why don't the public just change something? So I guess like it all comes down to will Theresa May hold a general election? Probably not because she says she's already held one 
um, will they hold a second referendum? Probably not, because Theresa May is not going to do it. So I, do, I just I don't see either of those two things happening. Do we have a general election, considering we have very little confidence in the government? Uh, do we have a general election, vote in Labour, and then what does Jeremy Corbyn do? His deal is very li- very like not very different to the current situation we are mm-hmm. we're in now, and even then, <coughs> like he'd have to have a he'd have to have a solid majority in Parliament, which is highly unlikely that he'd get to uh, to be able to pass it with no issues and just like after the last meaningful vote, Labour and the SNP did hold talks about how to progress forward to gain a majority. Mm-hmm. So I feel that even if Labour didn't get a overwhelming majority in government, they would be able to get something through with the support of another party like the SNP, who I think would do relatively well in Scotland again. Yeah, but it's fine to get the SNP on board, but you also need to build a broader church than that, and if, if like, this week's proceedings or anything to show, like, Jeremy Corbyn walked out of a meeting because Chuck mm-hmm. Omino was there, and, like, you know, how, how, you know, you can just go, oh, well, I'm just going to throw my toys out of the pram because someone I don't like is there is ridiculous at this stage it literally is like the most childish move you can do again and i don't really agree with the sentiment but like people have been tweeting about it where like how can you have meetings with um the ira and hamas how can you like sit and actively have hours worth of meetings with active terror organizations at the time yet when an elected politician who's a leader of a new party wants to have engaging and thoughtful conversation you walk out of the room It's really interesting following the hashtag people vote march on Twitter just now. Um, there's one common photo that's coming up and it's actually of a protest sign um, saying we want New Zealand's Prime Minister to lead this. So as you said, Scott, uh, we are going to talk about New Zealand. Um, for those who don't know, we'll briefly summarise the horrible atrocities that took place there. Last Friday on March 15th, there were two consecutive shootings at mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. In reaction to it, Jacinta Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand, has been emblematic of the strong unified Kiwi response. She has stated and repeatedly stated that New Zealand mourns with you and we are one. They have refused to acknowledge or name the perpetrator of this horrible incident. In brighter news coming out of this horrible incident, if you can even call it brighter news, within 72 hours the country's cabinet agreed to overhaul the current laws and ban military-style semi-automatic assault rifles. A, bri- a brighter side to this is um, how quickly the gun laws have been overhauled in New Zealand. And, you know, whenever you, you look at Jacinda Ardern and her reaction to all these shootings, you know, try and compare that to Donald Trump. Mm. And what, what, does he, what does he do, really? Mm. Because... But like, think of all these mass shootings that Donald Trump has been president. Parkland, mm. yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ, Parkland, Aurora, yeah, Aurora, like Las Vegas. All of these horrible shootings that have happened, and like, the only thing that Donald Trump has really done, which is kind of flown under the radar, he, he has banned stock. Oh, bump stocks! Like, but it, it was it was due to be um, the the ATF, which is the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, had already like looked into banning that and there was a report coming up and Trump basically just expedited that and that was going to happen anyway. You know, following the Democratic candidates over the last two years, there really isn't any of them apart maybe from Elizabeth Warren and maybe apart from Bernie Sanders. But at the end of the day, you're always going to have all of these people that you're going to have the NRA, which are massive Mm. 
um, lobbyists within government anyway in America. Even Hillary Clinton, when she was running, she was like, listen, I'm not going to ban guns. We're just going to make it so it's, you know, more controlled. The, the big, the, but, but the real easy reason why, why uh, this was able to happen is because it's not like the right to own guns is not part of the New Zealand constitution. Mm. Like, it's not a constitutional right to own guns. You know, by that, but when it when that becomes a constitutional right, it's impossible to take rights away. Yeah. Like if you live in a liberal democracy, like 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 America, like a republic, you cannot take a right away. You can suspend a right, but you can't take it away. And that's why it's easy. It's somewhat easier to reform gun laws mm-hmm. in New Zealand because it's it's not it's 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 a statute law, not a constitutional law, and you can just re- remove a statute. Um, I've got this really interesting article up and it was published by the BBC about the images of Ms Arden the day after the attack when she went to Christchurch. Um, these images were compared um, by Al Jazeera journalist um, and she said that she can't recall Trudeau show, showing the steps of humanity for the victims of the Quebec ma- mosque massacre in 2017 and then further added that the former US President Barack Obama didn't visit the victims of the Oak Creek Gurdwara shooting in Wisconsin in 2012. First Lady at the time, Michelle Obama, went instead. It's it's really interesting comparing leaders that people would generally say, yeah, they've they've done good, they've done really really well, and saying, well, this is what New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's doing. She's she's gone and done this, and I think it is one of those things that New Zealand is a peaceful country. You don't hear of a lot of. Um, terror attacks or troubles it's, it's very uncommon it never happens um, and I think for her to react in this way she would never have been briefed she would never have a protocol of this is what we've done before this is just her going this is what's right to do mm-hmm. and I think it's one of those things of it's almost from an outside perspective and at least what I've seen is the it is just being a decent human being reacting to this and I'm not saying that the other presents that um, I've mentioned there from the Al Jazeera journalist quote weren't acting in humanity they were doing their bit in their own way but by visiting the victims and just spending time with the community I think that in itself is a huge thing and speaks volumes and then going and saying we're going to have this done she's saying by the start of April the gun laws are going to be reformed in New Zealand and I think that within having that in 20 days is fantastic yeah I mean again it's hard to compare um, uh, all these different, different nations and their experiences with uh, firearms but you know this this move by Jacinda Ardern is um, it isn't unprecedented in some senses um, Australia moved in 1986 to to ban uh, all Almost all, if if not all, um, assault rifles, um, almost all f- uh, shotguns, and they made obtaining licenses to to uh, to use and own um, those firearms incredibly difficult. Basically, you you had to be a farmer. That was kind of the situation we have in the UK, where basically you can only get hold of a firearm if you are a farmer um, protecting livestock. Um, New Ze- I think New Zealand are using an awful lot of. Um, uh, the mechanisms that the uh, the Australians used at that time, where they're putting forward a a, a buyback scheme. So um, uh, I think the uh, the government essentially in Australia bought back around a million firearms. Um, I would love to say that I think it's really funny that we are, you know, 
we've put Jacinda Arden on like a pedestal for like how people should react because <laughs> the quality of world leaders is so poor. You know, she's reacting like a decent human being. She's going and visiting all, all the victims. She's um, enacting laws that will change New Zealand on the way that it acts forever. But like, and she is great. Mm. She she is a fantastic, you know, uh, as a woman, you look to her as a, as a as a female leader in a country and you you think, wow, um, you know, someone who's doing good in the world, um, but it's only in comparison to everyone else, he is awful. What do we think, um, like kind of still on New Zealand point, what do we think about the, the manifesto? Because New Zealand have banned uh, the Shooter's Manifesto, like from being distributed, published, read. Well, yeah, does it push underground and... Does it make it like, you know, because Anders Breivik, he wrote a 1,500-word uh, anthology yeah. on why he did it and his manifesto, and it's publicly available. And is, should we, I don't know, there's some argument that should we keep it open, should we keep it free, so people can read it and learn from this? I think the banning of the manifesto and the decision not to, like, as just an article came out and said, I, like, she'll never say his name and encourage the media outlet not to publish his name. I think that was a really powerful move because it shows he's doing this for a platform for the manifesto to go out. It's almost he knew by doing this shooting he would be arrested or who who knows what was going to happen The the um, from the news reports it looked like he was going to go to third mosque. Who knows what he would have done. Mm. I think by not broadcasting anything about him or his manifesto it does mean thing of we're not we're not giving in to you and I think as you said there Rory it is a very emotional but powerful response to it and I think that's what's contrasts contrasted so well to like some Norway and other terror attacks where people have gone who who are the people that have been involved we we must name them it's going in a completely different route so it'll be interesting to see if this plays out across the world for touch with there aren't but mm. for future terror attacks yeah i think that like um having the manifesto kind of up there and it almost gives way to copycat attacks if that makes sense so like you'll have people downloading it and like i guess that banning it then makes it more sensitive to like putting it up on like um the hands of the public for yeah now. but like the you know the idea that my issue is that there's no you're not dealing with the ideas contained within the um the content of the manifesto like you can ban all like you know the I, those people still exist with those ideas and they're, they're mm-hmm. left unchallenged because we just decide to like hide it from everyone and not talk about it and say how terrible it was and obviously it is bad it's terrible but we're not challenging the ideas that contained within that some people have said that like again we are just taking the easy road and uh, and getting just banning it and getting rid of it and not dealing with the, the core driving reasons why it exists but yeah I also get the idea of like yeah we don't want to spark copycat killings or uh, people looking to one up the last killing you know there's a lot of people with like that are more you know susceptible to those thoughts and mm. and uh, concepts than others and yeah I, I just I thought it was an interesting to be to have. After 22 months, the Mueller report has finally landed on the Attorney General's desk, William Barr. Deemed by the President of the United States a witch hunt, 
bar will now take a weekend to read through and summarize the report and basically decide what he will share with Congress and then de facto with the public. The special counsel, uh, which was set up by the Mueller investigation, was established to investigate links between Russian intelligence services and American political campaigns. The report suggests there are a lack of indictments and a real lack of criminal prosecutions that are immediately coming out of this. So this is a win for Donald Trump and his associates in that there's not an immediate criminal investigation beginning or is this the beginning of possible impeachment? On, on the face of it, it's it's coming up as a victory for Donald Trump, right? Because for months and months and months he's been tweeting saying that, um, you know, this is a witch hunt, there's no evidence of collusion, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reports coming out saying that there aren't going to be any further indictments. Um, but let's not forget that there have been indictments over the past 22 months. So um, with people that are really close with Trump and have really close ties to the Trump campaign. I find six former Trump associates that have been charged um, during the Mueller investigation. One of them, uh, first one is Michael Flynn. Mm. He was the former national um, security advisor to the Trump campaign. Former, former head of the National Security Council, Michael Flynn. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, number two is uh, Paul Manafort, a uh, former Trump campaign chairman. Mm. Number three, Rick Gates. He was former deputy Trump campaign chairman. Um, number four, Michael, can you say it for me, George? Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos, thank you. Yeah. Um, former f- uh, foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign. Number five, Michael Cohen, obviously uh, Trump's former personal lawyer. Lied. Yeah, Michael Cohen basically came back and said, um, you know, Trump is a racist. He is a liar. All of these things. And, you know, famously came back with that check. It was $130,000 um, signed off for Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels. And then number six, um, the most recent one is Roger Stone. Who's a long-time uh, Trump? S- lo- sorry, lo- long-time scumbag. Long-time, long-time. So, scumbag. is the operative word in all of those things former? Though they're all they are all former. They're not at this present moment. Whenever the investigation lands on the Attorney General's desk, part of the Trump administration, right? Yeah, because well, Michael Flynn was out of there within the first couple of months of the Trump administration, right? Does that then allow them to spin this as a political win? He was also the National Security Advisor and had high-level contacts with Russian officials and like I'm trying to I like throughout the entire tenure of Donald Trump so much stuff has happened where on its own it should force the sitting president to resign and be indicted and none of it has phased him. Mm-hmm. None of it has phased him. Like this is like you've gotta think back to like when stuff like this happened before. Like I it just like J- Jimmy Carter had to give up his peanut farm to be president. They wouldn't let him run for president with his peanut farm. Like, he had to sell his peanut farm to run, and if not, they were going to take him to court about it. And, like, yet Trump can literally, allegedly, like, sign away the, 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 the decency and discrepancy of the, of the, and the integrity of the U.S. electoral system to the Russians. So, Michael, do you think, then, that because of that annoyance that you're expressing that the house which is controlled by um the dems and are gunning for trump and are already annoyed that what are, you gonna, um, what are we gonna do like but they, nothing they, stuck they, so far what's gonna stick but that's can they go through this with an aggressive oversight and in the court of public opinion can they really lay into trump 
I think Je- they, they lost on the wall. They tried to hold him up on the wall and give in. They, they, he's not getting his wall, supposedly, but he's still getting a billion. The whole Trump um, situation is put is, is formalized in, in a official government report. And this is the difference between between what has gone before and what has what has happened now. An official government investigation has gone on. One of the, the most respected um, government lawyers has investigated this. Five probably more associates have been uh, convicted. Many have been tried. Some are still in process. People connected with these people are being tried in relation to um, espionage and treason and all this sort of stuff. I think the difference is this time that it's all been formalised in a report that the country, I think everyone deserves to know. I think the big big thing that I saw about it was um, so many um, rep- members of Congress and members of the Senate were writing to the Attorney General saying, you must release this as soon as possible, in full, unredacted. Mm. We can't let um, President Trump uh, get an advanced preview copy because then he'll have the answers to all the questions. You know, he's got to know when the American people find out mm. the exact same way. He can't be given preferential treatment because this report is a report on his conduct and his investiga- his campaign and everything to do with him. He can't be like it's like giving a someone who's about to go up for trial all the evidence they have on you, so you can prep to go against it. You can't do that, you know. So, what what I find was really interesting was that you know, the attorney general can basically turn around and be like, he could decide whether it is in the public interest to release the reports or not. Surely, people should know what's going on and what uh, you know the person leading the country and you know the conduct of their elections. Not to bring it back to this point, but I, I was in America back in uh, October and you would go around the doors and people would be like, I'm not interested in voting because of what happened last time. You know, like, I don't trust people with my votes anymore. I think that um, the system is rigged and like, fair play. Mm-hmm. Because if, um, you know, these things are going on, these things are being investigated and the people aren't told about the results of it, you know, why, why would you vote in I, the future? That is the danger, is that the because it's so complicated and so difficult to understand and it's been dragged out for 22 months is that the first two or three bits of clear information that come out about this will determine how it's digested yeah. and that the first thing that's came out is that there's no indictments and there's no criminal investigations immediately large sway that people will go oh he's innocent yeah donald trump is innocent his son is innocent and his son-in-law jan kushner are all innocent because yeah. there's no investigations but as you're saying, if if the thing comes out and it's redacted beyond comprehension, it furthers that point of I don't really understand what's going on. This is too complicated. No one's going to listen to me anyway. What's the point yeah. in trying to vote? The one thing about the system being rigged and the system being a bureaucratic nightmare is that supposedly Mueller, because of his connections and his could have given information to fellow prosecutors saying look within this context i can't bring about investigations that may lead to actual criminal persecution but you in an isolated independent way might be able to yeah which gives hope to the people who want to see impeachment or see persecution in a quick timely manner yeah but even even we we want prosecution not persecution yeah um because prosecution would imagine would allude to the fact that he may not be guilty of these crimes. Prosecution is like we have evidence that we can prosecute him. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I just like it's really important because I feel like 
um, there's so many double standards that have gone on throughout the the whole investigation that that didn't that weren't afforded to people like Hillary Clinton. Um, Jared Kushner, it's now come out, has been using WhatsApp to to speak to um, uh, the Crown Prince of of Saudi Arabia, going back and forward using his own personal e- email accounts to send government the sensitive government business, mm-hmm. um, and yet their entire campaign slogan was "Lock her up." She used emails. She she used her, her her home server, which is at least somewhat more secure than like WhatsApp, which has been shown to be able to like put backdoors into a Gmail account, which is like oh my god, like Gmail accounts basically just open the door to like yeah, and he sent like his he sent emails to government officials of other countries regarding like affairs. Like this guy, you have to understand what Jared Kushner's doing. Jared Kushner's like the busiest man in politics, charged with bringing peace to the Middle East. Uh, innovating America uh, and that, that's two of his jobs that's like not one of those should not be one person's job you know uh, it's, it's insane I can talk about it all day so is this now is this just going to end up in in the house and it's just going to be banded about for the next six months of look at all these horrible things that they may possibly have done and that they don't have legal ability to punish them for well essentially yes if um the attorney general comes back and decides to give the report to congress with redactions in it i think members of the house especially the house uh, intelligence committee those members should be able to see the un- unredacted report at the very minimum i think personally the entire american people deserve to see it um because it's a report into the conduct of their president and uh, if their president has lied, they deserve to know. But I'll be interested to see like what 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 Barr's decision would be. Um, I think there was some 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 sort of alluding to him being somewhat pro-Trump. He has said he's taking the weekend to read through it and process it and all that kind of stuff. And we are kind of at the mercy of him, basically. And there's not really much more that we can say on it until we get the report yeah. unfortunately well yeah. Trump does pick the Attorney General doesn't he yeah he does and Jeff he, he, he fired and was removed he, because of his well Jeff Sessions Jeff Sessions right, rightly recused himself from being able to uh, um, preside over the Mueller thing because he was like I was involved in I, I was the first senator to, to to support Trump and I'm I wouldn't be an unbiased uh Attorney General, so he was like, "I'm not going to get involved," which means I can't like weigh in to stop it. And then he put in, all, you know, uh, with like when Trump fired uh, James Comey, that sort of sent a signal of like his intentions to try and suppress this as much as possible. And he kept talking about it being a witch hunt and all this sort of stuff. It's like, well, actually, it's 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 due process. It's like yeah. you you're always under scrutiny. Like just accept it. And um, we are at the the beck and call of this due process we have to wait and we have to patiently mind our business until we are allowed to read it and hopefully we can read as much as we can i'll be really interested to see how um the 2020 presidential candidates are going to use this in their campaigns because um like better work came out yesterday um with basically like people need to know about the Mueller investigation mm. like in full it, it is it is an easy useful target for yeah. a political campaigning of he's lied to us yeah. You don't know how much he's hid from us. Exactly. And Kamala Harris came out as well, put up put a post on Instagram basically being like, 
people need to know mm. what's in the Mueller investigation. The Mueller investigation is huge, and I just don't want it to be boiled down to something that um, can be used as like a political tagline to yeah, like elect officials. If that makes it, sense, it should be more than just attack in a board. Yeah, this should be a momentous moment in American history, but people, it's voter fatigue again. Once yeah, the problem is though, if Trump rejects it. You know, if if it comes out saying Donald Trump misled the American people, he lied to them, uh, and he made direct contact with the Russian, the Russian regime. What do we do? Like, is it direct to impeachment? Is it like will, will Trump accept impeachment? Will Trump supporters accept impeachment? We already saw, like, people who are just like ready, like the 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 far right extremists who are ready to kick off at any moment they just need, like, they, just need they just need that narrative that trump pedals I mean, to it, to it, say right now now's the time and then they pick up a gun and go and kill people like it's impeachment no matter how much we want it to be a overnight quick let's get rid of it is another slow difficult yeah. and it's not a cure-all because if we impeach donald trump mike pence becomes president and mike pence's ability is to pardon donald trump straight away yeah. like and, and it, pence is arguably Pence, Pence is worse. Pence is smart and and hates gay people with a passion, like yeah. like genuinely like there's a genuine hate. Um, and like given that it's like, geez, like ten months to the first primary in Iowa mm-hmm. for twenty twenty, there's no there, there's no rush with impeachment. Like the elections are happening next year anyway. Mm. Do you think it could be used as a, t- a tactic for the Democrats to just, to just real if if Donald Trump's going to? Uh, because it would be it would be really interesting if they just slow slowly 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 eked out an impeachment process thank you for listening to this episode of the scoop if you want to find out more you can find us on socials at qr the scoop on instagram facebook and twitter